Hi, this is Mark Brady. I'm the pastor at Anchor Faith Church in Valdosta, Georgia. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast today. We believe it will bless you and minister to you. I get ready to receive a word from God. Isn't the presence of God beautiful? Amen. It's where you want to dwell. It's where you want to be. Glory to God. You don't want to rush those moments. You want to stay in those moments. You want to bask in those moments. Those moments are where you receive rest and refreshing for the soul. Amen? So many things that we engage in in life only take away from us. You ever take an inventory of what is giving back to you? what you're investing in that's returning something. That's why we say we just spent time doing something. We didn't just spend time in worship. We invested time because we receive a, re, a, a response. Amen? So we want to engage in things that make our time worthwhile. We want to engage in things that give back to us. And I tell you, worship and praise and adoration, obviously it's just offering up who he is, declaring his goodness, declaring his reign over your life, but it is also a way to refresh your soul, amen, to refresh your spirit, and we need times like that. We need moments like that. Go with me, if you will, to Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10, hallelujah. Who ministered last week? Uh, Alyssa Fletcher, who was here last week for Miss Alyssa. I heard she did an amazing job. Amen. As always, we're just so grateful and thankful for every voice that we have in this church, every gift that the Lord sends to us. We treasure those gifts. We want to put those gifts before you. And um, so, so glad that she could come and bring a word. Uh, I am going to touch on a subject, and I'm going to talk about relationship status. Relationship status. We've been talking about intimacy. We've been talking about uh, this idea of not just knowing about God, but knowing God, and even more so, God knowing us, right? Uh, We saw in Matthew chapter 7, kind of where we started. We prophesied in your name. We laid hands on the sick, we saw signs and wonders, and he's going to still say what? Depart from me, I never knew you. Something about this knowing, this intimately knowing and being known, and how do we foster that type of relationship? How do we foster that type of uh, uh, connection with the Father? And what we've done over time, uh, and the Pharisees weren't the first one to introduce this, actually, we see it in Genesis chapter 3, what we've done is in the uh, in the loss of relationship, we fill that void with activity, performance. We fill that void with, well, if I do the right thing, I will be. And God says, no, if you'll be, then you'll do. So we're not eliminating activity, but we're just putting it in its proper place. We're not, activity, we're not eliminating the prophecies and the signs and the wonders and the miracles and the witnessing for him and sharing of the gospel and the going to church and the prayer life and diligence in his word, we are uh, actually highlighting those and, and bringing them, bringing, allowing those elements to bring more power to our life because we put them in their right place. 
regular activity, busyness is not going to strengthen, develop, and cultivate your relationship with the Father. It's not going to work. You might know a lot about him, but God never designed us to live off of information. He designed us to live off of revelation. And uh, uh, information will never do for you what revelation can do for you. Information will never provide for you what only revelation can provide for you. I heard one minister say, uh, you know, information can be stolen, but revelation can't. Anybody ever have your information stolen, your identity stolen, your stuff stolen? Well, revelation doesn't work that way. Revelation comes by the spirit and it gets sown into the heart. So information just fills the mind. Revelation fills the heart. And as we live off that revelation, then it draws us closer to the father. And it, 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 it allows us to engage those other elements and produce um, a healthy uh, relationship. I don't have time to go back and backtrack and cover all the points that we have looked at throughout, um, you know, this series. I don't know. We've, uh, I mean, we've had different guest speakers in between. Um, I've probably had at least five weeks in this now. We're talking about this matter of intimacy and relationship. In Romans chapter 10, all those messages are online. And so you can go online, you can listen online and get caught up in anything that you've missed. Romans chapter 10, verse nine says, if you confess with your mouth, the Lord Jesus, everyone say Lord, Lord. the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be Say for with the heart, one believes unto righteousness. And with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. We know <clears throat> these verses, we hear these verses as they are kind of the, the primary uh, emphasis, the primary uh, uh, verses that we use when we are, uh, you know, walking someone through becoming born again, right? You've got to confess Jesus as Lord. You believe in your heart. You confess it with your mouth. But there's an element that, again, we, we reduce these things over time. And when I say these things and when I highlight these elements, I'm not degrading or nullifying the act or the activity necessarily uh, with good intentions. But at the end of the day, uh, it does not say Savior. It says Lord. And so we have replaced Lord with Savior, and the enemy has run with that. Because you've heard us say this before, Savior is what he did, but Lord is who he is. Savior is what he did. So again, we're not emptying the activity of Savior and Him saving us. You needed, we all needed a Savior, amen? That's the first thing you need to figure out in life is I need a Savior, right? I can't help you in an area you don't know you need help, you don't want help. When you recognize, man, I'm far from Him, uh, I have no way back other than through Jesus, I need His saving act in my life. He came to save you. He came to redeem you, but he saved you so that you can make him Lord of your life. This word Lord literally means owner is what it means. This word Lord means this, supreme in authority. Supreme in authority. And so what happens is, is we 
get people in to the kingdom by the act that Jesus performed of saving our lives, but then we don't fully yield or we don't fully submit our life that he's now saved to him. Savior is what he did for us, but honestly, Lord is what you do for him. Savior is what he did for us. And again, we need that. I can't make him Lord until I first acknowledge his saving power and his, his role as savior in my life. But he ultimately came to be Lord. And, and, and we've said this before, that if we would have acknowledged him as Lord in the garden, we wouldn't have needed a savior. Think about that. We needed a savior because we failed to acknowledge him as Lord. And so Lord is the primary uh, uh, level. It's the primary uh, step. It's the primary relationship. That's why it's called relationship status. We cannot fully submit our lives to the king and his kingdom. We cannot fully acknowledge his work in our life. You know, there's many relationships that people want to have with Jesus. Jesus is my friend. He is. But I hope he's not a friend like somehow we sometimes we treat our earthly, natural friends, right? Jesus is a friend, but he's Lord. He's a savior. He's a savior, but he's Lord. He's a master. He is a master, but he's Lord. And when we acknowledge and recognize the lordship of Jesus, then I can fully uh, accept and walk in all the other branches that come off of that. But Lord is the tree. Lord is the main tree trunk of this thing. And then from that, I can receive him as friend. From that, I can receive him as a master. From that, I can receive him as savior. But I must acknowledge Jesus as Lord. He says, confess with your mouth. And that word confession is not the word confess like we think. It's not just saying something with your mouth. That word confess actually means a binding contract. So if you want to read this verse properly, it's, by entering a binding agreement or a binding contract with a supreme authority. <laughs> a little different than the Americanized watered-down version. A little different than I just pray a prayer and believe that when I die, I go to heaven. A little different than just pray a prayer and then do as much you know, Christian uh, uh, activity here on the earth while I'm here. But you know, if he asks this of me or if he tells me to go here or if he calls me there, and, and so we start to have these areas that we don't fully yield supreme authority over to. I mean, supreme in authority means supreme in authority. Now, people want to go along the side of, well, he's, you know, it sounds like he just wants to control you. He ain't, in, he ain't controlling nothing. It's yielded. It's surrendered. The devil wants to control you. He wants to take over your life whether you yield or not. But Jesus refuses to operate in your life without a posture of surrender. He'll never force his way in your life. He may do some things to try to get your attention, but ultimately there's no control involved. It's complete surrender. And that's where you want to live. That's where you want to be. That's where you want to remain is in the, in, in the environment that says, I am giving you full access to my life. I'm giving you full reign in my life. I'm giving you the final say 
in my life. Final say means we don't talk back. Final say means we don't negotiate. Final say means, you know, we're not offering our opinion. I'm not, I don't have my own agenda. Selfish ambition, deceitfulness of the world, whatever it looks like. Final say means, Lord, if that's what you ask for. Lord, if that's what you want. He wants access to all of it. He wants access to your finances. He sure does. He wants access to your time. Yeah. He wants access to your relationships. You know what I have found? Everything I give him access to improves. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? That what might look like a deficit, like, oh, he's asking this of me. I, it, it, he just makes it better. It's amazing. You tithe and it just he takes care of everything else. You give him the first part of your day and the whole rest of the day. Not talking about avoiding anything, but you'll have a lot greater guidance and direction if you yield some things over to him and surrender some things over to him. Isn't that right, Kyle? Oh, the surrender life is the best life. He improves every area he touches. So it's like, then you start getting into places like, what else can I hand over to give him access to? If you can do that with that. Okay, what about this relationship? What about this marriage? What about this business? But the, the, the natural tendency begins, you know, we start to hide things from the Lord. And then we want the Lord to touch the things that are so much of a mess that we can't do anything with it, <laughs> right? Then we hand it over out of, you know, last-ditch effort. <laughs> I don't know what to do with, these, do with these kids anymore. This marriage is beyond me. Better call the pastor. And Pastor Mark and Ashley have to come at the 11th hour and save the marriage. It doesn't work, <laughs> It's not a great success rate. The success rate is always those that are first yielded to say, Lord, you have access to this. We put you in the middle of this thing. We put you in the center of this thing. You live right here and you have the final say. You tell me to love them, I'll love them. You tell me to forgive them, I'll forgive them. You tell me to apologize to her, I'll apologize. Everything he has access to, why? Because he's the Lord. And I've found that the Lord always has our best interests at heart. I have found that to be the case. I found that to be the case. But when we override this and I want to make Jesus my friend, but not my Lord, my Savior, but not my Lord, my Master, but not my Lord, there's people that have made Jesus Master, but not Lord. And they end up in a legalistic, Pharisee, Pharisaical mindset. But he's not Lord. He's just the Master that's, that, get, that checks off and signs off on all their religious activity. And they put Jesus's name, they sign his name at the bottom. See, look, Jesus signed off on it. Must be all right. And he's like, man, I got nothing to do with that. That was all you. I think revival will come when we acknowledge Jesus as Lord. I've said it before, but I, you know, lordship will solve a lot of our problems. Lordship can fix a bunch of stuff. That's usually what we run into. If we're counseling, if we're walking somebody through something, eventually we'll get to a lordship issue. You didn't have a PlayStation issue. You didn't have a laundry issue. You didn't have a putting the toothpaste on the wrong thing issue, the, 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 the cap on the wrong, you didn't, you know, you don't have those problems. You have, there's lordship in here somewhere. What are we submitting and what are we yielding to the Lord? Amen.
We need to check up on our relationship status. Matthew chapter 8. In Matthew chapter 8, we see this example. Matthew chapter 8 and verse 5. Now when Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him pleading with him and saying, Lord, my servant. He says, what? Lord. This is a Gentile. This isn't a saved, born-again believer that's been to revival after revival and healing conference after healing conference and is in the Word daily and you know, checks off his Bible reading plan and attends church on the regular and witnesses. This is a Gentile. This is someone outside of the, the nation of Israel, his people. But he comes and says, Lord. Let's just understand this. Lord is not a Christian term. It's a kingdom term. By saying Lord, he's acknowledging his authority in a certain situation. He says, Lord, I acknowledge your authority, supreme in authority. My servant is lying at home paralyzed, dreadfully tormented. Man, when you acknowledge Jesus as Lord, you can come with your most dire situations and trust that he's going to do something with it. When you recognize Jesus as Lord, when you know that your life acknowledges Jesus as Lord, you have no problem thinking something is too big for him. It's amazing how small everything else looks when he's Lord. That's amazing. My servant is at home paralyzed, dreadfully tormented. And Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. But this centurion in verse 8 takes it even a step further, recognizing the power of a supreme authority. He says, Lord, he says it again, supreme in authority. I am not worthy that you should come under my roof, but only speak a word and my servant will be healed. You talk about acknowledging some authority. You talk about acknowledging some power. You talk about acknowledging what this Lord is capable of. And you know what's interesting here is he's, in essence, giving the command. He's giving the command by the posture of his faith. He's not giving a command like I'm telling God what to do. But he's giving a command in the posture of this is what I believe you're capable of. Because you're Lord, because you're supreme in authority. I believe if you just speak a word. I believe if you just say the thing. See, when you recognize the lordship, you'll start owning the power that the Lord has in certain scenarios in your life. And you won't be uh, small about it. You won't minimize yourself. You won't, you won't uh, reduce uh, um, the, the situation down to your natural capacity. He's actually going above natural capacity because he has no prior example that just by speaking a word, he had, that Jesus has not performed a miracle outside of, of laying hands on the sick at this point or someone touching the hem of his garment like we talked about on Sunday. But he goes a full step. He doesn't even need to be in the area. 
I know if you just speak a word, why can you do that? Because I recognize the supreme authority you possess. And you start posturing yourself where, uh, in essence, you're making a demand on the promises that the word gives you. That's not telling God what to do. That's just taking him back to his word and saying, this is what your word says, and I believe you'll perform it to the, to the capacity that your word contains. I believe you are Lord. I believe you are the supreme in authority, and I believe if your word says it, you can do it. Now, look at why he has a, a, such a great expectation, such a great faith that when he speaks a word, it'll be done. Verse 9, for I also, watch this, am a man under authority, having soldiers under me. Um, and he comes into my servant, do this, and he does it. What is the reasoning? What's the basis that this centurion uses? It's kingdom authority. He likens it to his own ability as a Roman centurion, as the, the, the head of, of a Roman army, anywhere from two to, to 5,000 men that he oversees as a centurion, a, a position of authority. He says, let me tell you why I know when you speak, it'll be done because I am a man under authority and when I speak, things get done. It's by my word alone that things take place. And so what's he doing? He's acknowledging your lordship is a lot like how I rule and command my armies. That I don't have to physically be present. I don't have to physically, you know, right now, we've got military station here in Valdosta, Georgia. And if a command comes from Washington, D.C., am I right? If a command, guess what we're doing? Ah, you know, he's not here. How's he going to know? No. D.C. has given an order. And I don't need to physically be present there. My word alone starts activating those troops and moving them around to where we need them to be. Amen. And so this Roman centurion is recognizing a, a, a kingdom principle that Pharisees couldn't even see. The Jews couldn't even see. In fact, Jesus in the next verse, <clears throat> in verse 10, when Jesus heard it, he marveled and said to those, assuredly, I say to you, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. What does he qualify as faith? Believing in the authority of the Lord. Believing in that final supreme authority that the Lord possesses. And when the Lord says it, it's going to happen. By his word alone, it's going to happen. And Jesus says, this man gets it. A Roman centurion, outside of the covenant, outside of the promise, outside of the people that I even came to initially redeem, he says. Another, other occasions, he said, I didn't come for other nations. I came for the Jews, the Jew first. I came for this group, but this guy on the outside gets it because he's not measuring it against some theological principle, against some uh, Christianese. He's measuring it against, man, it's kingdom authority. Authority is what backs this man. And everywhere you go, I watch you operate in authority. And this is what he also says. Everywhere you go, I watch you submit to authority. For I also am a man 
under authority. Typically, when you want to acknowledge the power or authority that someone has, you don't highlight the, the, uh, 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 the submission to authority that they have. But he says, the reason why I know your word works is because you're submitted. The reason why I know when you speak, things get done is because I watch you submit. Because everywhere you go, you say things like, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. I only do what the Father tells me to do. You know why you can trust in the Lord? Because he does everything the Father tells him to do. It's his submission to authority that allows us to trust in his authority. So this lordship factor is the key principle. This lordship issue is the key thing. Savior, we said this before, Savior is what he did for me, but lordship is what I do in response to him. I'm acknowledging him as my Lord. This is the key in our relationships. Just because you invite Jesus into your life doesn't mean you include him. See, a Lord is included in the affairs of the daily ongoings of our life. The Savior doesn't have to be included. A Savior is there to get you started. I've saved you, I redeemed you, now I send you on your way. But a Lord has to walk with you throughout every step you take. Just because you invite Jesus into your heart doesn't mean you include Jesus into your life. And many times we settle for just inviting him But the question tonight is, have I included him? Have I given him access to every space in my life? What are the things that I have placed aside, closed the door, limited access? Whether because I think I have control, whether because I don't want him to touch it and change it. Typically, when we come to Jesus, we got a list of things we want him to touch and change, right? I got a list of things, but you know what? That's right. We also have another list. We have the list of stuff that we don't want him to touch. And it's funny because a lot of times before he touches the stuff that we want him to, he starts working on the stuff that I didn't need him, I didn't give him access to. He's like, you know what? Actually, if I take care of this over here, it'll take care of that over there. Huh? Lord, find me a spouse. We got that over here in this column. And he says, before we work on that, uh, what's, what's your stewardship look like? What's your time management look like? What's your financial management look like? And so he started, I didn't ask you to deal with that. I'm Lord. I, 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 that's what I do. The Lord comes in and touches all of it. And if you fix this, boy, they're going to come running you down. Huh? They, they, you're going to find a mate real quick. If you let him, and he just has a way to get into the root of stuff, the source of stuff. We want him to touch all the stuff on the tree, hanging off the limbs. And he's like, well, the root system's the problem. The root system's the issue. We can keep coming back and touching this every year because that, that, a, a bad tree bears bad fruit. But man, let's uproot that thing. Let's dig that thing out. Let's fertilize it, right? Let's, let's, let's fix it at the root system and watch. You'll start growing your own stuff on your own and you didn't even need me to touch that part of it. When he's Lord, we give him access to all of it. When he's Lord, I don't need to, because this is the thing. If you only acknowledge him as savior, you're always gonna be limited to, need, to his saving rather than perpetually walking in the things that he has for us. 
When he's Lord, I don't question his authority. When he's Lord, I don't question his ability. When he's Lord, I, I have great confidence and great dependence on who he is and what he can do and, and how he can move in my life. Man, it's unquestionable. It's unchallenged. We said this before, when intimacy is lacking, somebody can lie about the person you believe you're in relation and you'll start to believe it. But when you've got great intimacy, somebody can come to and, and, and say, you know what, I think they've been doing this. You'd be like, no, not at all. I know for a fact they're not because I'm a lot closer than you are. That's what happens when you recognize Jesus as Lord. That's what happens. In Colossians chapter 1, verse 13. So what can we do to acknowledge Jesus as Lord? Colossians chapter 1, verse 13. Look at this in the New King James. It says, He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the son of his love. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the son of his love. Again, if we're going to receive his kingdom, we cannot just simply respond to the saving capacity of who Jesus is. We must submit to the lordship capacity of who Jesus is if you're going to receive the totality of the kingdom. In the Amplified, backing up to verse 10, it reads this way. So that you will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, displaying admirable character, moral courage, and personal integrity, to fully please him in all things, bearing fruit in every good work, and steadily growing in the knowledge of God with deeper faith, clearer insight, and fervent love for his precepts. We pray that you may be strengthened and invigorated with all power according to his glorious might to attain every kind of endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints, God's people, in the light. For he has rescued us and has drawn us to himself from the dominion of darkness and has transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. When we only acknowledge Jesus as savior, we don't fully qualify the, 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 the transfer, the exchange of worlds. We don't fully give him our submission. We don't fully give him our hearts. We don't fully yield our lives. We don't give him open access to every corner, every room, every area of our lives. When we close those parts off, we leave them yielded and submitted to the enemy. We leave them yielded and submitted to the world, to our idea of doing something, to our idea of thinking about something. It requires a full transfer, a full exchange conveyed from one nation to the other, from one world to the other. This is the thing. If you think that the promises of God are what cause his word to come past, if you think, how do I want to put this? If you think that dying and going to heaven gives you access to all the promises that God has, Jesus is not your savior. Death is. 
Why aren't we experiencing the promises of God to their fullest? Because we haven't fully yielded to the Lordship. And so Jesus isn't even the savior of our life. If I have to die to see his word come to pass and go to heaven, death redeemed me, not Jesus. Meaning what? He, he came to save us, to give us access to all that is in there, but the rest of it comes through lordship. The rest of it comes to yieldedness. The, the rest of it comes from this full transfer from one nation, from one kingdom, from one authority to the next. To come out from under the enemy's authority, I must fully submit to his. Remember the verse that we just read in James on a Sunday, resist the devil, submit to God, and he'll flee from you. We are trying to get the first half done without the second half. We're trying to resist the devil without fully submitting to God. And the father's saying, you're, you're, you're one step away. It's called lordship. Lordship will produce all of this to open up to you. Lordship will produce a, a full acquisition, a full transfer from one nation to the next. It gives us that free access. Acts chapter 2, verse 36. You need to make him Lord. You need to make him Lord. It's not a hard thing. It's not a hard thing. Acts chapter 2 and verse 36. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? This is the first altar call. It's the first opera. This is day of Pentecost right here. Peter said to them, repent. Let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promises to you and to your children, and to all who are afar off, as many as the Lord our God will call. And this formula has not changed. It's to fully relinquish the old way of doing things. Repentance is not just a remorseful, emotional outcry of feeling sorry or regret or remorse, it is a full-on turning away from things of the world and says, the only way this works, the only way I want to live is with you as Lord over my life. Supreme in authority. You have the final say. I give you access to all of it. And the enemy wants you to live intimidated by him having access to all of it. The Lord wants, uh, the, the enemy wants you to fear because you're afraid of what you may lose and God's saying, you have no idea what you can gain. You have no idea what I can add to you. Lordship takes care of worry. You know, the, 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 the closest example that we have in our day and age today of Lord or Lordship is a landlord. If you've ever rented a property, there was a landlord that owned that property. They were owner. Now, you were in charge of certain things. But at the end of the day, who has the final say? The landlord. Who's the supreme in authority? The landlord. Maybe some of y'all have managed properties 
at, at time or, or, or rented out properties and you were the landlord. You're the final say. You know, I, I, I've, I've, we've rented plenty of homes in, in, in our past and, it, you know, we had liberties or restrictions. They were all different. Some of them you couldn't paint without contacting the landlord. Some of them would let you remodel the thing. You know, when we first moved in here, we had a landlord. We had to get, we had to make requests to say, we need to build this, we need to add this, we need to take away this. And, and, and you know, he had to approve that. Why? Because I, I don't own it. But guess what else comes with that? See, that's the only side that the enemy wants you to see is, oh, you off limits, you gotta do this, you gotta check in. And No, no, no. Guess what else some of that? When something broke, guess who I'm calling? I'm not tossing and turning. How am I gonna pay for that AC unit? How am I gonna repair that leak in the roof? It's one phone call away. And I, you know what I did? You know what I did? Cast my cares. Because he cares. Maybe he doesn't care for me, but he cares about his building. And he cares about his rent check coming in, right? I cast my cares. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast today. We trust you received a word from God. If you enjoyed this teaching, be sure to subscribe to our podcast in iTunes. By subscribing, you'll be sure to receive a new message every week as soon as they are made available. And if you'd like to learn more about Anchor Faith Church, you can stop by our website at anchorfaithbaldosta.com. There you'll find our locations and service times, ministries that are available for you and your family. You can even give financially in support of the ministry. Thank you again for listening, and we look forward to seeing you next time right here on the Anchor Faith Church podcast.